you know your word choice influences how easy it is for grant makers and reviewers to understand your organization and your programs and services? You know, word choice like you say potato and I say potato. You say tomato and I say tomato. Potato, potato, tomato, tomato. Let's have a mock review. And when you write that grant application, it's hard to review with fresh eyes to find gaps, assumptions, or questions that could confuse grant makers. The mock review service offered by D.H. Leonard Consulting provides fresh eyes for any proposal, whether or not they were the lead writers. So contact the team at dhleonardconsulting.com to learn more about putting your proposals through a mock review. Silly singing sold separately. Well, hello there. I'm Kimberly Hayes de Muga. And I'm Amanda Day. And you're listening to Season 5 of the Fundraising Heyday Podcast. We are here to help you make sense of the complex world of grant writing and fundraising, whether you work for a nonprofit, local government, or a consultant who serves them. On Fundraising Heyday, we will for sure cover the how-tos. Do not worry about that. But we also want to explore the whys of things, including poking the grumpy giant bear of inequity that roams the world of philanthropy, friends. I still so love that imagery. So <laughs> it's a bad when I'm getting a giggle out of our own wording. I love it. Um, as always, in addition to entertaining me, we're doing uh, the show every two weeks with the help of experts in the field and our particular brand of entertainment, which of course may include songs, cheesy sound effects, and the occasional y'all, because learning does not have to be boring. Mm-mm. So let's get going. This podcast is brought to you by our season five sponsor, D.H. Leonard Consulting and Grant Writing Services. Don't let grants stress you out. Their team can help you with grant readiness and training, grant research, grant writing, mock review, as well as providing numerous DIY resources, guides, and templates. Did you know that with every Fundraising Heyday episode, we create a coordinating blog post on their website, dhleonardconsulting.com. Check it out today. Well, greetings, listeners. We're so glad to have you join us today and every day that you're listening. But before we jump into today's episodes, I want to highlight, Kimberly's already laughing at me, I want to highlight an exciting day that's just around the corner. Well, it's exciting for people like me anyway. Um, Are you ready for it? Get on it. March 4th, if you don't know, is National Grammar Day. Yep, there's an official day to shout from the rooftop that we are grammar nerds and proud of it. I will still be wearing my t-shirt that says silently correcting your grandma. She will too. Oh yeah. Oh, 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 that sounded like you said silently correcting your grandma. (laughs) (laughs) Grandma. Grandma. Although I do also have a t-shirt that says let's eat grandma. Let's eat with a comma grandma and then it says comma save lives so i could wear that one too <laughs> either way the grammar helps grandma right oh lord anyway march 4th you've got a few weeks to plan how you're going to celebrate me i was selected to be a reviewer for the georgia department of education and march 4th is smack dab in the middle of that review time frame so what better way to celebrate 
National Grammar Day than reading and scoring someone else's writing. I just, I can't think of anything. <laughs> I'm ready for National Keanu Reeves Appreciation Day. That has your... Every day, <laughs> every day is Keanu Reeves Appreciation Day in the Hayes Day movie household. Go ahead. Go on now. Okay. Okay. Well, now, now back to the topic at hand. Mm. So today I'm beyond thrilled about the guest who's joining us. Not only is she a big supporter of the show, True that. she's hands down one of the most accomplished grant professionals I have the pleasure of knowing. Also true. I admired her work from afar for many, many years, um, not only her work uh, building her business, but also her work and volunteering and the, and the grant professional field that we're going to get to in a minute. But also in the interest of full disclosure, uh, I should say, I was almost said reader, I married her. No, that's not what I was going to say. Um, <laughs> listener, I do some subcontracting work for Allison's company, Boyd Grants, from time to time. And I imagine having me as a subcontractor is kind of like having... Instead of herding cats, it's just herding one cat that is <laughs> semi-feral friendly most of the time. I would say that. We'll let Allison respond how she seems to fit. One semi-feral cat. Yeah. It's okay to go ahead and laugh, Allison. <laughs> the rest Allison's of us like, are. oh, girl. Truer words. Oh, that's funny. Well, I know she really is a taskmaster. Task master. Let me use my words correctly today. Yeah, because girl, um, you're celebrating National Grammar Day. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, another thing I love about Allison is that she's the first to help when a fellow grant pro has a question about Treat dealing her. with clients or setting up a successful consulting business or basically whatever you're struggling with at the moment. Because I have called her a time or two. So... Without further ado, actually, there's going to be a little more ado because there's always a lot of do-do with us when we are talking. <laughs> we are talking about the one and only Allison Boyd. Allison is a principal writer for Boyd Grants and has, I would say, more than 14 years experience in grant writing and project management. She's an active member of the Grant Professionals Association and is one of only 23 grant professionals certified in the great big old state of Texas. Um, gosh, her ex development experience includes co-chairing a fundraising campaign, proposal development, and project implementation. Over the past 14 plus years, Boyd Grants has procured more than $98 million in federal, state, local, and foundation funds. Allison specializes in funding from the U.S. Department of Education, which we all know is super easy and everyone gets those all the time. Ha ha. <laughs> she previously served as the president of the Grant Professional Certification Institute Board of Directors. Welcome to the show, Allison. Hi. Hey there. <laughs> Because she gets so much done, she conserves her words and her energy. <laughs> Y'all make my cheeks hurt. Oh, <laughs> so I'm super excited to be on y'all's podcast. So, honestly, I think we might need to pause. I think until she reaches at least a hundred million in funding, we probably shouldn't even talk. Oh my to god, her. I mean, what really. a slacker! What a slacker! slacker. <laughs> so I was, it was a personal goal for last year to hit that mark, but I missed it by two million. Oh. I'm kind of sad about that, but I feel like no yeah, totally, longer. Totally beat yourself up on that, loser. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding, y'all. You? Oh my God, that's a lot of money that transformed lives. Yeah. So yep. I actually did my numbers for last year, and it ended up being we brought in 38 million 
and it ended up serving 5.5 million people. Oh my gosh. Wow. wow. So if you ever do your numbers, do you figure out how many you actually served? Again, so. this is why she's on a podcast today to help us little people figure this shit out because. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, well, Allison, I'm so glad to have you join us. Um, I first met Allison back in 2013. If we want to go back in time, Kimberly. <laughs> she loves that one. Um, we were hosting our very first Southern Regional Grant Conference, and Allison, even though she was from Texas, needed, I think, some, she wanted to go to a conference, and mm. so she registered and then reached out to me and was like, hey, I'm coming to your conference. How can I help? Never met the girl, never talked to her, and she basically was volunteering. So basically, she had me at hello. So, <laughs> And how could she not? She also had a lot of people at hello because... Um, I do not think I mentioned this, but she also won the president's award from the Grant Professionals Association. Did just I saying, know. which yeah. is a, it, it's sort of our version of being recognized by your peers. Mm-hmm. So definitely, it was unexpected. yeah. The look on your face when you won that award was priceless. I <laughs> it loved was, it. Oh, and so. that's right because you don't let people know, or we didn't at the time let people know ahead of time. And by we, I mean yep. whoever was on the board. I'm just yep. speaking royally for no reason. There you go. Yeah. So, well, Allison, why don't we start off with a little bit of background information since our listeners don't know you as well as we do. Um, tell us how you got into the grant field to begin with, and then what was your catalyst for transitioning to consulting? So, you know, normally people get into the grant field because someone said, hey, you do this job and go ahead and write this grant. And it's kind of like a second part of their career. Mm-hmm. When I was in college, I worked for a children's camp. And at the time, my director was like, hey, you're an English major. We have this grant coming up. And I was also just a camp counselor and a lifeguard. Um, and so can you write it? And I was like, oh, OK. And then it yep. came around and we won it. And she called while I was in school and was like, hey, we got it. Can you manage it this summer? And I was like, <laughs> OK, OK. Don't know what any of this means. So, you know, it's super small, but it was still something, right? And at the time, I thought I wanted to be a doctor, but I wasn't doing so well in my science classes. And so then my parents were like, this is not working. You need to change your major to English. So I did. My dean was like, well, you don't want to teach. And I, just, I was like, nope. Yes, ma'am. I've never heard of, please don't call me ma'am, you <laughs> sweet person. Well, let me get my cane and shovel over here. I want to ask this young whippersnapper question. Um, but I appreciate the way you were raised. But speaking of the way you're raised, I just have to bust in on this because what parents have y'all ever known who were like, no, honey, be, <laughs> be an a English major. I just think that that speaks volumes to them recognizing the gifts that you were given to take out into the world. Because most people be pushing the other way. It's like, well, you need to buck up and dissect that frog, right? Because they're not. They were like, mm, no, you need. Yeah, to I it. think they recognize that back in like junior high for me. But I'm just such the. I have a plan, and I'm sticking to the plan. Okay. Whether come hell or high water, I'm going to make that plan work. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. And they were just like, and you're done. Yes. <laughs> This is now your plan. So just warms my heart. That is such an unusual and lovely thing. And boy, were they right. They were. Mm -hmm. They were. And so, yeah, then my dean was like, I don't know what you want to do with your English degree. So what do you want to do? And I said, so there's this thing called grant writing. 
And so during those years, he helped me learn how to write grants by reviewing books and things like that. And so then I got out of college, obviously graduated and did great. And now since I changed my major um, and realized, you know what? Grant writing right out of college is not the best thing because people don't believe that you have any any experience. So I ended up stayed on with the Y for a while and was an aquatics director and I did their grants. I ended up doing such and such and I did grants for them. And so um, did that for a few years, then said, okay, this is foundation work. I want to try the hard stuff. So I jumped over and worked for college system. And my very first federal grant was Department of Ed Title V. And it was a doozy, y'all. It was hard. And I didn't know what I was doing. And but we got it. We won it. And I was like, hey, I can do this. (laughs) (laughs) That's what it takes is that first big win. And you're like, well, I know what I'm talking about. (laughs) So that was it. That was that's kind of how I got it. I didn't really kind of shift into it like a lot of people do. It wasn't something that I said, I'd rather be doing this. It kind of was a organically done, stars aligned, God put me in the right directions to do what apparently I love to do and didn't know that that was even a possibility. So that's how I got started. I also like how foundation grants were like the gateway drug that got you to federal. The first grant is free. And after that, you'll pay and pay. But anyway. Go ahead. Well, I was saying, how many years ago then did you leave from the college? Did you then start void grants? Uh, no. no. So um, I did. I stayed working for um, a college system. And then there were just some turnover there. Decided that I wanted to go back into private. So um, another organization and I worked together. And I kind of jumped into the development director role and learned that I'd rather be behind the computer typing words than being in front of people saying words. And (laughs) so that, um, that morphed into, it was ended up not being the best fit. And so then my husband was like, well, why go look for a different job? Just open your own business. So there we went. We just opened my own business. Here I am. So that's how that happened. It was very, so it's about um, four years. Yeah. So I graduated in 04, married in 08 and opened my own business in 08. So there we go. Wow. That was a banner year. Mm -hmm. A lot of things happened that year. A lot of things happened. (laughs) That's But, you know, I just, so actually, I would say you're a grants prodigy, wouldn't you say so, Amanda? Because most people move in a little bit later, unless she was like, yeah, no, not the doctor, going to major in English. Here we go. Husband's like, hey, why look for a job? Why don't you create jobs? And you're like, yes, that's a great idea. Ultimately, I've had a lot of really good people in my corner, and they've just supported me. And nice. told me, and not even told me to do it, but just realized that there were dreams that I was able to accomplish that I didn't know that I even had. And then, so, you know, I didn't know I could be a writer, but my parents sure as heck knew that I'd be a better writer than a doctor. And we're all thankful for that, you know? Um, so, 
And then my husband knew I'd be a better writer for multiple people than right. just for being, and there's nothing wrong with being nope. good at one organization, but my bucket wasn't being filled. And so being able to help others in multiple areas has really kind of filled my bucket and I really enjoy it. So clearly. So, so just in the interest listeners and, and one of the many reasons we wanted Allison on the podcast, I don't have to give the actual estimated number, Allison, if you don't want me to. But when I first started talking to Allison about the possibility of subcontracting, we had an interview and we had the things that you do to see if you're a good fit for each other. And um, do you want me to say your estimated number? If not, I can just say it's a, it's a boatload. We can do boatload. <laughs> okay. We can say boatload. I will say this. I will say it was more than twice what I expected the number of clients that she was managing by herself. More than twice. And I've been floating in this little sea of grantiness and development and fundraising for quite a while. So I was and so what I'm saying, y'all, is there's some serious productivity chops that are going on here in addition to her many accomplishments. So I know, Amanda and I both know, that you crank out serious quantities of proposals. And we're not talking, and there's nothing against this, and there's nothing wrong with this, and it's something I've done. We're not talking one-page online portals for Walmart stores in the Atlanta area, for example. We're talking Big proposals, federal proposals, Department of Education, all different kinds of things. We know you crank out some serious proposals month after month. And we want to know, because uh, we want some of that productivity energy. Yeah. <laughs> what is that? that would be, now this is a little naughty, but whatever, y'all. Instead of, instead of BDE, this is BPE. This is big productivity energy. Okay. <laughs> That's what I'm going to say. Now, clutch your pearls, clutch your pearls. Oh, she's so, oh, she's so out there. Yeah, whatever. Anyway. Meanwhile, that's what I'm like. Did she say that? Yeah, I did. Yes, I did. And you know, if I said it, it's been out and the and general media flogged to death, died, <laughs> reborn, was buried again, had another family in another galaxy. All I'm saying is, Allison, how... How do you, how do you, um, how are you able to do this? Because I also happen to know you have um, a life and family and all sorts of things going on. So we would just love to glean some of the, um, yeah, some of that big productivity energy you got going on there. So a lot of it, I didn't really realize I had systems in place because it's just how I inherently work. Um, but I didn't realize it until I I started um, taking on consultants, subcontractors, and wanting to, hi, Kimberly, hi. <laughs> um, and wanted to make sure that they did things the way that I do things, well, at least within a parameter, right? And so as I was writing it down, I was like, oh, no, but I do this step, I do this step. So really, I live and die by timelines, Um and I, I pray a lot that my clients will actually follow through with their timelines. I mean, we all know that they kind of, um, things happen and we often have to adjust to that. But if I can give myself enough of a window, I know that um, I need to have the first draft by this date. And as a result, I need to have edits back from the client by this date. And because I do a lot of federal grants, I work off of a 45, a 30 to 45 day timeline. So I can chunk my life 
in those 30 to 45 days. And so I back it out. And then, you know, that's all fine and dandy for like grants management and how to do proposal management and everything else. But then there's the whole um, running a business thing. There's things that have to happen. There is that. that you don't realize like, well, it's not just doing the grants and it's not just doing the meetings to develop those grants, but it's doing the relationship building with my clients. And the more, and I do have a big bandwidth of clients, but it's a rolling number. It just keeps kind of as some come on, some go off. And cause I firmly believe I'm supposed to work myself out of a job so they can do well in their own organization. But in order to do that, I had to have systems in place. So just like we create a logic model for our grants, or you should, and if you don't, we can talk about that later. Um. <laughs> I'm in the it depends camp on that. It depends on the complexity of the grant and the requirements. If it's a big grant, yes. If it's at if least create it for your program. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, yeah. logic yeah. models. I don't disagree with you because I, I mean, I've, I've listened to several workshops. I, I, they're fabulous. If I never have to build one, I am okay with that though. That is just uh, logic models are not my jam, but I understand how very, very helpful they can be. So I'm not anti. It could be a program template. It could be some sort of a fact sheet. There you go. I'm Amanda's, I'm Amanda's logic model translator today. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm here for you, man. I'm here for you. <laughs> so I guess to keep, I don't know, keep answering that question, and you can tell me to stop answering that question whenever oh, you're ready. Keep it coming. Come on. Um, like, for example, I have an organizational assessment, and I take the first 45 days of working with my clients, and I I deep dive, right? Because I'm not, I'm not there every day. So I don't get to learn the hidden knowledge that you just – learn over getting coffee, you know, so um, I end up putting together an organizational assessment. And, and then I realized, oh, great, I can give these to my subcontractors. And they're like 13 pages long. And it's a living document. And it's everything you ever wanted to know about that organization. It chunks out their programs and it, every program we could potentially apply for. It's got pretty much it's got a little semi-grant written for it underneath there, you know, and so it's already pre-done. But the way I structure retainers and everything is it allows for me to create those systems to make my life easier. And I hope it makes my subcontractors' lives easier. So <laughs> thumbs up on that. A thumbs up, yeah. Big old thumbs up. Um, I think maybe the take-home and I also, I love to learn. I love, that's one of the many wonderful things about having this podcast is hearing how people do it or getting firsthand experience and how people develop their systems and how they do that. Because as grant writers or fundraisers, um, whether you're an employee or on your own or as a part of a consulting firm, I just, I always learn things. Um, And I would say it sounds like whether you realize it or not, you're an incredibly organized person and also very adept at developing those systems and thinking through that it's so much a part of who you are that you didn't really, you had to take a step back and go, oh, doesn't everyone develop in-depth organizational assessments and have, because of the answer to that is no. no. But the answer to that could be, huh, if I was trying to relate it to systems that I would develop as an employee and I would say, 
I would call them fact sheets. It was not a, a 30 page document with footnotes and all that, I will say, but it was more, here's the rundown on these four main programs that I know I'm going to be looking for funding for in the next fiscal year based on my conversations with the executive director or whatever. But I get the take home is whether you're doing full on like research papers about each organization to provide foundational documents for your subcontractors or whether you are a one woman band, you know, doing grant writing and fundraising or whatever it is that you're doing, taking the time or making the time or demanding that you be given the time to become that sort of content expert in the organization or organizations that you're serving seems to be key. Yeah. And then it also, I'm learning, um, y'all, I feel like I'm learning every day. It's not that I should oh, yeah. forever. Everybody should be doing we talking about before. I'm just, I, sometimes I feel like I'm just winging it, but you know, obviously I've got processes in place and everything, but I'm learning that I also just, Mondays I set aside for let's prep the week. Let's prep my contractors. Let's prep my clients. Let's prep. I use Asana. I don't know if that's how you say it out. Like everyone I've heard it. does it yeah. differently. And so yeah. I, I say Asana. So I use, it's a simple project management tool for me to use. And so I assign my contractors, their clients. And in that it, I try to have at least six months of potential due dates for them. And so then on Mondays, I say, here are your, here are your projects for the month. And this is what I need feedback on. Let me know by the end of the day, then I can deal with the clients and get them their questions. But I dedicate a day to do that a week. It falls on Monday. It doesn't mean that it doesn't bleed over, but it falls on a Monday. And then I, and then I've decided that, you know what, on Fridays, I really don't want to take new client calls. I don't want to do it. It's just too much for me to wrap my head around. You know, by Friday, I, my brain is done. So Fridays are wrap up days. They are um, like if you look on my calendar, um, calendar on my webpage, you'll see that you can't schedule a meeting with me on that day. And I feel, you know, we talk a lot about burnout and everything else. And that's that's how I manage that that piece of let me take a breath for myself, but also wrap up my business for the week. Let me wrap up my clients for the week. Let me, if a subcontractor said I have a issue, let me deal with it. And I didn't get it before. I better have dealt with it by Friday, you know, so I, so I can check out and I can hang with my kiddo and at my ducks and my husband and my dogs and all of those people. And did you just, notice the order of the record? Husband was number three <laughs> after ducks. After ducks. <laughs> <laughs> that's sweet though no yes. but also very instructive it's you're you're structuring your time it's not but it's not like you're so structured that it's driving you crazy but it's like hey this is the day where i don't do this i can do this on all the other days because i also want to have that time for my family well and it doesn't mean i don't make exceptions to sure, my orbital because it's my rule it's not anyone else's it's right, right, proposed right. rule right and and that's okay and that Actually, this morning before this call, I was talking to my um, social media guy, person, which is crazy that I have one of those. Um, and he was, and they're, they're, they manage their clients however the clients want to be managed, right? And I was like, okay, can we just, we just recognize that I feel like I'm floating and I need to not feel like I'm floating. And so 
it made me stop and take stock and say, do I have clients that feel like they're floating? Because in my mind, it's working perfectly. Right. But in in their mind, they, it might not be working perfectly. And so to, to make sure I project manage appropriately for my subcontractors, for my clients, I have to take a weekly check internally to say, you know, I haven't heard from this client in a week and I know they've got a lot going on, but maybe they feel like they're floating and I need to do something to anchor them down. And it's just building that relationship and knowing your people. Mm-hmm. I, I just keep coming back to, I know we've been on this first question for a long time, but whatever, it's our podcast. We can do what we want. So, um, but I would also say, it also sounds like you, you're putting the structure in place that you've really thought out, but then you're also always going back to it to make sure things are working the way they need to work. I just yeah. think that's a great take home message for anyone, no matter what you do for a living is you don't let the structure run you, you run the structure, but part of it is, is this still working? Have I heard? Is this, I just, I love it. I love it. I love it. Thank you so and much. I, I feel like I've given my subcontractors the freedom to tell me this is not working for me. And, and I'm okay with that. So let's figure out what works for mm-hmm. you, mm-hmm. but I want it to stay within my parameters, right? right? Like here's the box and I'm drawing a picture. Like y'all can see me yeah. Here's the box. You can float outside the box, but let's please stay. Like these are the things that have to be done, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So. I like it. As someone who has worked as, as a subcontractor once or twice in my life, it is nice to <clears throat> it's nice to have some direction, but it's also nice to have wiggle room, you know, for what works for both sides of the coin there. Because it's a different relationship. It's not a straight employee employer relationship. It's different. Mm-hmm. It is. And, I mean, I just do a Monday check in because it's more for me. I need to know. <laughs> yeah. And I think it makes other people feel like, hey, I'm being heard if I have a question, and you know, so. Yep. Well, and I like, I I do like the check-in. So it's not like, you know, when to expect like, okay, these are my deadlines. This is when I should hear from Allison. This is when I should be able to report back versus you don't hear from them in three weeks. And suddenly they're like, is everything done? And you're like, wait a minute. What? What? (laughs) So it works. Um, Well, kind of in the same vein of talking about juggling, juggling it all. I think for most grant professionals who are considering making the switch to consulting, the biggest fear is always, am I going to make enough money? Are there, is there going to be enough work out there? Um, and then once you do make that leap and the clients do start to roll in, then it becomes, oh my gosh, I have too much work and I don't have enough time to do it all. And so now I've got to let some things go. So, you know, how do you figure out, and I know the number is going to differ from person to person, but kind of how do you find that sweet spot of having enough work, but not having so much that you're working all nights and weekends and there's no time for kids and ducks and husbands. <laughs> don't forget the dogs. Oh, the, and dogs, the, dogs. Yes. the husband did come before the dog for those of you keeping yes. <laughs> at home. <laughs> so oddly enough, I was talking to someone about this yesterday and it really boils down to taking stock in what, what is important to you. So someone asked me yesterday, I'm not sure if I want to jump into officially owning my own business and having to do all of the work and finding the clients, or if I just want to stay a subcontractor and pick up an odd job here or there. Mm -hmm. And I kind of feel it can be the same way as if you have your own firm, right? How busy do you want to be? What 
and to factor that in, I, I, I try to figure out, well, how much do I need to pay my bills? This is what it boils down for me. You know, what do I need to pay my bills? And then I divide it out and work my math backwards and do all of that good sure. fun stuff to figure out, well, that equals six clients this year, you know, or seven federal grants or whatever your pricing structure is mm-hmm. to determine how much workload that you want. And so then after I get that covered, I, I know I can breathe. And if I want to do more, great. If I don't, then I made that choice and that is what mm-hmm. I want to do. But if I want to do more, then I take I take a moment and I say, well, what do, what else do I want to do outside of work for the year? And what, what am I going to be able to accomplish with adding on new clients? So do I want to go on a vacation I wouldn't be able to want go to want to go on. Um, okay, I do. Well, the total cost of that vacation is this and let me get a client to, you know, that's, this is how my brain works. It's not that necessarily how everyone else's works, but as I was growing my business to where it's at now, that's exactly how I thought. And I was one of those lucky ones who my husband said, open your business. And it doesn't matter what you bring in because we were good. You know, his, his job covered our bills and everything was fine. Got it. So I had the ability to just be like, sure, I can take every client or I really don't know what I'm doing and I don't really want to take another client. I need to breathe, you know, but not everyone is doing that. So not everyone has that cushion to fall back on, you know, but Mm -hmm. I think if you're going to jump in, you really need to look at what is, what are your yearly bills? What do you need to cover? What are you going to charge? What's industry standard for your area? Because for my area, it's different than for Georgia. It's different than for any other state. It just depends. So you have to know how to look at that and then um, figure out what is your time management strategies and how do you want to manage it? Because burnout can happen really quick. And that's, it's, Two years ago, I was like, oh, I'm growing. I'm, this is amazing. And I'm doing great things. And literally took me two years to decide to pull the trigger to do any subcontractors. And now I have subcontractors. I'm like, holy moly, I can breathe again, you know, and it's, mm-hmm. it's wonderful. But it takes time. And I didn't realize how long it takes to make that decision. Well, it took me a lot longer than most probably, but that's okay because I just overthink everything and make it work in my head before it works on paper. So um, I was shaking my head. I agree with you, but I'm like, Amanda, how long did it take me to decide? I mean, that, Amanda, how oh, many yeah. lunches, how many plates of kale chips have you, have you munched your way through that? God, it was like five years before I, I, I pulled the trigger and opened my, I mean, seriously. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it is a scary leap going from an organization where, you know, okay, every two weeks or every twice a month, I'm making this much money and my insurance is paid for and all that. And you're right. I mean, I'm like you, Allison, I was able to make the leap just because my husband does have a full-time job with health benefits and all those things. So I didn't have to worry about that side of it. And kind of the same way at the very beginning, we set my threshold very low. I needed to bring in X amount of dollars a month. And that's why I started off with the training gig with Grant Run USA. If I did two trainings a month, that brought in the minimum dollars we needed to be comfortable with our bills. And so then I was like, okay, great. Now I can start building in clients. And and I still haven't felt like I found the right answer for clients because I just... 
It's cyclical, like right? It, it, it is cyclical. And kind of like you said, like sometimes you, you know, and some clients, they just need you for a very specific project. And even though you did it and it was great and perfect, they may never need you again, even though they were a great client and you were, it was a great fit. So sometimes you do have those one-offs as well. So. And, and also- grants come in cycles. So exactly. like right now I've got 11 federal grants that are due by the 31st. Well, it's a heavy month for me and it's a heavy month with uh, two subs helping and supporting on that project, but it would have been a lot heavier if I didn't have that support. But I know that February, I've got only eight due, which means that technically right now I'm working on 19. Yeah. So, and that doesn't count the foundation. So when you're really thinking about, well, how many clients do I take on? And Kimberly, your facial expression. (laughs) Kimberly and I, basically, Kimberly and I are like, she's talking about writing 11 federal proposals in one month. I would do like maybe 15 or 20 a year by myself. But <laughs> so I was okay. also managing grants and doing other no, things but too. Just, but still, I mean, that's a lot. That is a lot of writing to So create. if people were wondering, gosh, why, why are you talking with Allison again? You shouldn't. You should be paying attention because holy crap. That's a lot of successful proposals going out the door. And I just want everyone to just go, oh, maybe I should listen to this again when she talks about how she sets up things and the systems she uses. Also, sidebar, um, as far as I know, Allison, you are not reimbursed from like um, Asana or Calendly. She's just sharing tools because we want to be in the interest of full disclosure. You know, we just want to be clear that when people come on and talk about stuff and when we talk about stuff, um, unless it's an ad, we're not, we're not getting any, uh, compensation and Allison isn't either. So she's just sharing stuff, but 19 federal grants. Ooh, we, to be honest, I thought that was normal. It's not. It's normal for you, superhero. <laughs> you know what? It's normal for Wonder Woman to fly in that invisible plane with her lasso of whatever she's telling. <laughs> that doesn't mean that it's normal for me. Yes. That's a um, lot. That's, I mean, but it's working for you. You found yeah. a way to make it work for you, and that is your normal. And we want to acknowledge that everybody's different. Everybody has different demands on their time, different goals, different financial goals. But I love. I did the same thing, only it took me five years because I was frightened to go, having been in an office environment for approaching 20 years at the time I pulled the trigger. It was like, how much money do I need to make? How much will benefits cost if I am on my husband's plan or if you're on your own? Where can I source health care or where can I source um, um, uh, 403B, 401K kinds of things? Because I don't want to get in the weeds with this, but I'm also like, if you're thinking of doing that and you are on your own, particularly, well, just man, woman, anybody, um, you those are the kinds of thought processes, whether your mind works like mine and God help you, or it works like Allison's, where it seems to be a lot clearer and, and cleaner and, and um, easier to follow. You need to really get down to the numbers of it before you commit to... Um, in my opinion, before you commit to something like this, like yeah. you were talking about yeah. your acquaintance who was like your friend or colleague who was like, I don't know. And it's like, so how much money do you need? What on top of that? It's not just your hourly. Also knowing, although you, you probably do bill 40 hours a week. It's rare for a lot of consultants to bill like yeah. cat, like billing green time, which is what I call it. It's rare to have 
for many consultants that I've talked to to have 40 plus hours of green time they're billing because you also have to do your marketing and administration and all those other things. So it's just, you know, things well, there's things to remember too that like when you get a standard paycheck from a traditional job, nine to five job, all of your taxes and all of that stuff is taken out. So your take home is what you feel automatically in your bank, right? Mm -hmm. But when you get your first check from your client and it feels great, you're like, and then you go, oh, I got taxes. I got to take out that on my own. I got to take out this on my own. And so as you're thinking and planning, you just have to realize it's not, you can say, I'm going to get $25,000 in clients this year. Well, that's great. But yeah. now you've got to pay taxes on that. It's not money in, money out. It's money in minus da 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 da, and then you get your payment. You know, so you just have to make sure that when you're planning, you plan effectively for those things. And you can look up your tax rate on IRS.gov and all of that stuff. You know, um, and everyone is a little bit different. There's different thresholds and different things that you have to be aware of. But yeah, I was a lucky one. I got to just do it because I could. Fair. And if that, if the thought of like figuring all that out is wigging you out and that's what's stopping you, that's why there are accountants who can yeah. do that for you. So just like you would recommend someone hire a grant professional to do that part, then hire the right professional to handle the thing that you don't know how to do or don't want to do. I found my accountant before I opened my business because through referrals, through asking people that mm-hmm. I trusted for. And for me, that made so much sense because I also had to think about what am I willing to learn? And what am I not really in the mood to do? Just like for our podcast, we have a sound engineer. Amanda has, and I have learned so much, but then there's stuff where I'm like, yeah, we're not learning how to do it's that. Not our jam. Not, not what we want. So we're outsourcing it because we can. Yep. And like, I just jumped in with both feet. Well, we kind of really didn't think about it. It was a, why don't you just turn in your two weeks and be done. Whoa. And, 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 you did. <laughs> That's because people had faith in me, a lot more faith than I had in myself, right? And so then I didn't go read a book. I didn't learn anything about business principles. And so I'm I'm not saying you have to be the smartest person in the room to do this. You you just have to know what are your parameters and what are you willing to what are you willing to do? How long are you willing to work? What are you willing to give up in order to have the dream that you want? So like, it's important to me and my family that we have a lot of family time and we have a lot of quality time together. So that determines how heavy my year is going to be. And sometimes I, it, sometimes it's a dinner conversation that says, I just need to get through January 31st. So dear Lord, just help me do that. And we will move on and we will all hang out again after that. And and that's kind of we ebb and flow, but that's that's how we set up, we as in my husband and I set this system up, you know. I also jumped in with a man who knows how to create websites, who knows how to do, you know, a lot of back-end stuff that most people aren't married to someone who does that. So a lot of the expenses that other people will have, I didn't have because I the guy I married had that knowledge. <laughs> So if you are dating, just I would say on your profile what you're who you're looking for. Like kind, must like ducks and dogs. Also we're super help if you know the back end programming and website development. Yes. yes. <laughs> no, I'm just teasing. No, but there are a lot of things, but clear there are a lot of things that came together, but I, I guess I would just circle back to the thought 
that you're sort of the thought that you're recommending that people put into it, no matter where they are in their lives, just sort of let's think about this because there's some great things and then there's some scary things. Yep. So um, one of the things that Allison, that you and I have talked about offline is about the importance for, I would say grant consultants, but also grant writers in general. And fundraisers to a certain extent to be their own advocates, especially when uh, with dealing with folks who don't understand the value of the work that grant writers or fundraisers bring to the table. And we know that you are a big advocate for people, fellow grant writers, your peers, not undervaluing what they bring to an organization. And what advice do you have? Um, I would say if you feel if you feel good about sort of advice in general about sort of your own worth as a, as a grants professional, we can even say that either um, as an employee or as a consultant, because we just have a lot of listeners who are either or both. both. So I would say that the best advice I was given when I first started was, um, it was actually by my pastor. And he said, you know, Allison, people will pay if they value and want you, they will pay you what you ask, right? And so if if I undervalue who I am and the and the knowledge and the experience that I have, so will everyone else. But if I price myself in a way that is consistent with the area around me and and consistent with my value as a writer, as a development professional, all of those things, then they will pay for what you're worth. And I think we have we have a tendency in our field to just be like, oh, well, we're just a development professional or we're just this. Y'all, we talked about earlier how many millions of dollars impacted so many millions of people. You're not just anything. Dun, 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 dun. I'm sorry. I was just doing your soundtrack. <laughs> like you're standing on the mountain. We are not just anything. <sighs> but you're not. I mean, if if the words that we put on paper, right, can impact, usually we write grants, even in the $10,000 grant awards, right? Those are going to impact 250 to 1,000 people by the words you wrote on a paper. Is your value $10 or is it? something that should be recognized fair and well put mm-hmm. yeah well and I'll, I'll i'll jump on that too because it, it i know when i made the switch to consulting that that was a hard thing to figure out is my value we did you're one of the people i called because everybody talks about well you need to figure out what's fair but nobody will drop dollar sign amounts and i i know it's frowned upon because you don't want price setting and there's all kinds of things but it's one of those things that you want to make sure you are asking enough. And there will be clients that I've had a few people I've met with and they're super excited. And I tell them what I charge and I never hear from them again. And the reality is maybe they can't afford me or maybe they don't see the value. I don't want to be working with them if they don't see that value. So it's okay because plenty of people do um, pay. So it's, it's one of those things nobody is shouting from the rooftop how much they charge. But if you have some private one-on-one conversations, I would say with yeah. folks, um, you have any other advice? Cause I, like I said, you no. are one of the ones I turn to, you know, so if, how does and someone I, help I figure that out? I think yeah. you and I talked about this part was 
basically it's the same model that I used for deciding how much I needed to make for the year, right? So yeah. it's basically doing, figuring out, I would say figure out what your hourly rate is at your current place of business, right? And so mm-hmm. um, you work 40 hours a week, you get paid this weekly. That's your that's your drop dead hourly rate, right? Now, if you want to add in the actual value of your time and your um, knowledge and all of the years of experience, then then that's where that comes into play is you can add in to make it higher. Because remember, you're doing more than just writing grants if you're a consultant. You're doing all of the things. You're setting up the meetings, you're editing, you're doing... Because when you're first starting, you might not have an editor. You might have a friend who does really good with grammar and you just say, hey, can you review this for me? You know, and they might love you to death and not charge you anything. But one day people are going to charge you for the services you request of them. And so think about it that way is all of those pieces have to be tied into your hourly rate. And then to say... You know, I've got people who are like, well, give us a bid. And so I'll give a bid and they'll come back and be like, well, that's really high. And but then they'll go with someone else who has less experience or is one of those people that firmly believes that anyone can be a great writer. Hang my shingle and let's just do it. I sure do get those clients right back and say, can you fix this? We've got 10 days to submission or we've got a day until submission. And I'm like, and now your price went up. You know, because yeah, heck yeah. my world has to change in order to accommodate for your emergency. So take it from what is your hourly rate at the current place of business? And then what what do you add value to your time as to do all of the extra things that maybe an admin does for you that you don't realize? Or maybe your coworker helps support Um, some of the section writing and maybe, you know, there are other pieces that you're not doing all of it, but when you're on your own, you're doing it all. Well, and I mean, it's not even just adding, um, adding your value is smart too, but I had to really think about like when I was employed full time, I, all my tech was provided, you know, so I didn't have to buy a laptop. I didn't have to pay for, you know, Adobe, which I need. I didn't have to pay for all these tools that I like to use or my printer or whatever. And so I, just you start thinking about all the expenses that go into it. Your part of your salary has to cover your, your office too. So, so speaking of the expenses, think about a budget that you fill out for a grant, right? We do a lot of business development that we don't realize that we're doing, right? We, we know how to write budgets. We know how to write all of these things to make other people successful. Apply those principles to what do you want to be successful? to be successful. We know we always have to put in line items for supplies. Well, we know what those supplies are. So those will still apply to whenever you're on your own. So think about those costs. And I literally took a grant template budget and went through and filled out um, information. And then I backed into what my salary would be. Yeah. What what a a great idea idea using a grant budget to build an office budget. (laughs) Loving it. I would also like to throw in, if I may, I know we're running a little bit long and we're going to wrap up, but um, since no, since y'all, both of y'all are far too polite to say this, I just, if someone is advertising um, 
and in any different forms online or whatnot, that they're they're hiring grant writers or they're hiring grant consultants and they're paying ten to twenty dollars an hour. I will go on and say that is a bullshit hourly rate for grant writers. You can make more than that at Target and you get all this plastic discounts and all this cool plastic stuff that you never thought you needed. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm not trying to be but I mean seriously. Yeah. I, and we, I know we can't go into, well, in Georgia, the going rate is this. I think it also depends on, are you bringing in a $25 million Department of Education grant for um, 21st century uh, community centers for learning or whatever the acronym is? Or are you really focusing on working with small to medium nonprofits where $10,000 gift is transformative? So I would just say, I would put all those in, but yeah, I'm just... I will say ten to twenty dollars an hour as a consultant is I I don't even know how you're gonna pay your bills. I really even as a part time employee that you still have to pay your you your overhead, your taxes, all those other things, and it's gonna be really difficult to bill straight forty hours plus a week when you're doing all those other things that you can't bill a client for. So I will say that so censor me, people if you will, but that's just nuts i'm sorry that's just nuts and there's a lot of those out there like i I have set up through indeed i just like to keep an eye on what grant jobs exist because i'm just curious and see what people are paying and the number of either consulting or contracting or even part-time jobs that they're wanting to pay 10 to 20 an hour is it's laughable i mean there'd have to be some benefits it's sad and i know there are people Jumping for it. You can also say, well, Kimberly, you've been doing this for a long time. That's right. That's why I can charge what I charge. But even if I had been starting out when I first opened, I couldn't have afforded to start my business for those kinds of for those kinds of rates that I see promoted. Not but, so just please let that be a red flag to you if you're new to this. To well, that, that may not be the way you want to go. I'll throw this in and y'all can cut it out if you want. But we usually write um, to support, we write grants to support, uh, people in the low income threshold and things like that. Not that, I mean, we're writing to support and help people get out of those thresholds. Right. Don't put yourself in there just because you want to do the work and you want to be a martyr. No one's, no one's asking you to be a martyr we're asking you to do what's right for you and your family, ultimately, and then also do what's right for the community. Yeah. And for the profession too, right? Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. Absolutely. So, I'm not cutting that out. No. <laughs> <laughs> so um, this has been so helpful and informative and fun and I know you're busy, but if you wanted people to get in touch with you, what's the <laughs> best way for them to do that? Um, so you can email or reach out through my um, contact form on my webpage at boydgrants.com. My email is pretty simple. It's aboyd at boydgrants.com. Pretty original there. There you go. Um, those are the best ways. And I really do like to help and answer questions. So whether you need my help in work or just want to talk through opening consulting firms and things like that, here I am. I'll, if I can't help you, I'll send you to someone who can. So there you go. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. It was such a treat to have you on the show. 
it was fun. I always tell y'all it's like talking, doing the podcast, listening y'all is like talking to my best friends. And oh, oh. I'm so glad you could. I'm a little verklempt. Let me tell you, nothing makes my day more than when I get a text from somebody or a message on social media. And Allison, you're so good about doing like listening to this episode. I loved when such and such happened on the show or whatever. It just it makes my day to know someone's actually listening and really paying attention. <laughs> it's like in our garden last year, and I was I had y'all on while I was putting seeds in every row, and Aww. so it was fun. <laughs> growing with you. <sighs> Thank you so much. It was just a lot of fun and a lot yes. of good information and great points for people to consider. Very true. Thank you so much for listening. Your continued support is the reason we are back for season five. Please follow and leave a review of Fundraising Heyday on Apple Podcasts, or if you're listening to us on Spotify, follow the podcast and share the show with your friends. It really helps other people just like you find us and the work we do, and we will be ever so grateful. Thank you again to our Season 5 sponsor, D.H. Leonard Consulting and Grant Writing Services. We so appreciate their support in making grants less stressful. Visit their website at dhleonardconsulting.com to download their latest free resources today. We're so honored you chose to spend time with us today and hope that you tune in for our next episode. Each year, we dedicate an episode to a specific sector within the grant field, and this year, we're covering K-12 education. Olivia Smith-Dowerty is the Executive Director of Grants for the Pasadena Independent School District in Pasadena, Texas. You're not going to want to miss our chat with her. Bye for now. Bye for now.